Hi, and welcome to our podcast. Um, I'm Brian. And I'm Kelvin. And we're going to call ourselves The Boys. Uh, it's a work in progress. So today we wanted to talk about the book written by... What's her face? Emily St. John Mandel. Yes, and it's called Station Eleven. And for those of you who don't know what this book is, it's, um, it's similar... To like an apocalypse story where there's this pandemic and it's wiped out almost all of the population and there are like 16 and a half people left on the earth and the story is mainly from the perspective of <clears throat> an actor uh, about a week before the pandemic and um, uh, the actor's friend uh, about 20 years after uh, the pandemic originally hits. Alright and this is going to be sort of a analysis of the book. Now we're going to try and keep our spoilers few and far between for all those listeners out there that might not know this book, Um, but we're still going to be using enough detail so that we can get at least a fair analysis done. And in this type of analysis, we've decided to undergo the Marxist and archetypal lenses. Now, for those of you who don't know what those big words mean, Um, The Marxist lens is uh, a lens that you look through to analyze um, works of art, like books, uh, music, media, stuff like that. And it's all about the um, power struggle and the economic struggle within um, a story or a piece of art. And we wanted to talk about how in this book, Station Eleven, After this pandemic hits, there really isn't a power struggle or uh, a monetary or economic struggle um, between the main characters. And we found that pretty interesting because, you know, uh, most depictions of like an apocalypse type world, uh, the, the people who are left are trying to fight for power and trying to be in control of what's left. But we, we found it, um, interesting that in this book there isn't any form of um, power grasp like we've seen in other types of media. Yeah, and key ideas to focus on, or that we'll be focusing on, are the real like lack of money in this world. Like my partner here said, this is a this Marxist lens is all about the power struggle, usually involved in some way around money. And Usually, the Marxist lens is used to analyze texts that money is the like the central core of social structuring. And in Station Eleven, it's almost the opposite. Since um, in this post-apocalyptic world, money as well as people kind of fell out the window. They just all got wiped off the face of the planet. And it's interesting to see how the lack of money in this world affects the characters, kind of resulting in, like Brian said, no real grasp of power or desire to grasp power. Yeah. Um, And we see this affect the characters throughout the book. Like in um, the past, where it's uh, about the actor and his life, there's an obvious, like, I don't know, like a feeling or a presence of money and how that affects the characters like the the actor uh, his name is arthur 
uh, he lives uh, on an island that's um, relatively unknown, and it isn't until he moves to the city of Toronto and starts to make a name for himself that he becomes uh, more popular and people start to recognize him and take pictures of him. But that also kind of goes along with money. See, he's making more money than he was on the island, and that kind of relates to the, the power, the quote-unquote power he has um, to influence others. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we also wanted to talk about, I don't know, like have a Q&A section, but we only really have one question, and um, that was, uh, why, why do we think that the story ended so abruptly? Um, no, no, no real spoilers, but um, personally, we didn't see the characters in the book um, come to a fulfilling arc. Like, uh, oh man, it's hard to explain without spoiling it. But um, the main characters are searching for something, and at the end of the book, they find that something, but then there's something else for them to look for, and then the story just ends. That's, that's kind of the basic gist of the end of the book, and we found that um, really um, polarizing. Like, it wasn't what we expected, and we didn't really like that. So, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, so, it, like you said, it, it wasn't really a fulfilling end for the characters in the arc, and it almost seemed as though Mandel wanted to leave the rest of the story up to almost imagination, Yeah, it seemed, and... It just wasn't all that satisfying of an ending. Uh, there were some pretty plot important plot points that were mentioned and never explored. And Yeah. Uh, plenty of um, symbolic motifs that were never explained or dropped completely. And, and at the end, the, um, the main character is looking for this person. And within the last couple of chapters out of this 50-chapter book, they... They find the character uh, that, excuse me, um, or the person that they were looking for, and then that doesn't go anywhere. Like the the two the two people meet, they reconcile for about half a page, and then that person that we spent the whole book looking for is never mentioned again. No reason um, why we're looking for them or what was going to happen if we didn't find them. And we felt that, or I felt personally, that um, Mandel was kind of rushing. Like, within the last, uh, the the book split up into sections, and in the last section, it's only about three or four chapters, um, we felt that this last section was really rushed. Like, she had a time, time constraint, and she didn't, want to you know put the effort in well that's maybe not the right way to say it but like she felt we feel that she had a time constraint and she had to finish the story and didn't know how to finish it so she just wrote something off and called it a day yeah and in that same kind of sense it's this also where we come to our second point um the archetypal lens and our analysis of the characters within yeah using that kind of common hero-villain story arc, right? Well, kind of in that same sense that we're kind of deciding that Mendel seemed rushed and it, it just kind of snowballed into an unsatisfying ending, the same kind of thing happens with the characters. So in this story, the main character is very much like the hero 
you know, she doesn't remember really anything of her past as, as we come to... From before the pandemic. Yeah, from before the pandemic as we come to realize. And she continues to grow until about three quarters of the way through the book and kind of falls off. And even the main villain is, is mentioned um, once in the first ten chapters and doesn't really have any extra development. And then um, <clears throat> the the conclusion between the main character and the villain only lasts for about half a page and it's not even close to the end of the book like you still have 10 chapters to read after the main conflict is done with so uh, it's it's a critique on how mandel is writing like she's she she wrote a magnificent book um and that there are a couple parts that i don't enjoy or i wish she would have changed but it's it's a magnificent book right up until the main conflict is done and then it seems like she's just writing because she needs to, not because she wants to. All right, and after all of that, it comes time to wrap up what we have to say here. Yes. And really, it all circulates around the very end and very beginning of the book, which is a little bit of an unusual kind of end. Because you're reading through the book, and the beginning is kind of strange, and you're like, well, what's really going on? And you're not really quite sure what's happening with Arthur or any of the other characters you're introduced to. You have this grandiose Shakespearean play of King Lear, and it just kind of goes really nowhere from there because then it, it kicks into high gear and the rest of the main um, plot points, like the pandemic, kick in, and you just kind of forget about it until the very end where it circulates back to the very beginning. Yeah, and, it, it comes full circle. Yeah, and it's... It's, it's interesting because you get a second perspective on the very beginning of the book and even in the times before the beginning of the book that really speak a lot um, in regards to really Arthur as a character. Um, it continues to develop his character even after... I should not say that he dies. That would be bad. <laughs> um, but it, it fully develops his character and leaves a good resolution on his character arc for the rest of the story. All right, I think that's all the time we have. Um, thank you, Kelvin, for talking to me about this. And thank you, Brian, for having me. This has been quite the opportunity. It was a great opportunity. All right, uh, to our listeners out there, thank you and good night. Good night.